0: Just a warning, what you're about to see is a bit graphic.
1: THE RETURN OF THE ANGRY AND NEGATIVE SHOW! been a couple weeks here, but a couple weeks on any shows, really. I, uh, last time we did a show was the end of May. I did back-to-back episodes of BPW Radio and the Angry and Negative Show. And uh, I was like, man, I really miss doing shows all the time. We should get back into it. And then I followed that up with, you know, no shows for two and a half weeks. But we're back. It's uh, Dan and the Three Pisons this week. Jim hey. and Nick are here as always.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and Anthony DeMarco is joining us today from his usual Flyers AD. Anthony, what's going on?
2: Not too much, boys. What's what's happening?
1: Oh, same you know. Shit, the, uh, same old shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, different, miserable, <clears throat> nothing happening day.
0: It still is quarantine, right? Technically, yeah. Oh, just making sure. I feel like it's been over for like three weeks for me. Yeah, <laughs> not anybody else. Like no one else feels like shit. Is just like, all right, this is done.
3: Going out to eat, but you have to. In Lansdale, you have to sit outside. But holy yeah, crap, going about my business. Earlier in the week, was it Monday or Tuesday?
1: I went to uh, a place at an outdoor patio. a so, Nick, it's Kathy's at uh, Melody Lakes. Oh, and... She's. Oh a... wait. Yeah. going to Care about the person. But the, nice. food, the food is good. <laughs> and uh, they have this big outdoor patio and they're people. And and like, all right, you know, I want a good home cooked meal that's not my own. So I went there and you go outside and it's like there's two dozen tables and people everywhere talking and laughing and enjoying themselves and interacting. And the only two people that have masks on were the waitresses. And it's like it felt like a goddamn different reality, it was like a different timeline. It reminded me of the scene in The Walking Dead when they first get to Alexandria, and they're all battle strown and, and dirty, and everybody behind the walls are alive and happy. and, and It's so weird. It's such a weird feeling to, to hop back into normal life for
3: half an hour. To sit amongst other humans for more than yeah. a few minutes in a grocery store line.
0: I went out to eat twice already this week. I went out to eat Monday and Tuesday. Same spot. Sat outside, have you guys ever had lascalas before? I don't know how popular that is. I think it's a chain, so uh, like an Italian joint, good pizza, good Italian, decent Italian. Like the comfort food is good Italian food because I'm sure you guys, if you're like me, like I can't go out to eat at Italian spots because nothing compares to the home stuff. But, but this spot, if you're going for like gnocchis or pasta or whatever, basic stuff, pretty damn good. I love so I, gnocchi, yeah. So, I ate outside twice this week. I'm going to take a break for a little bit.
3: Did you bring a lady?
0: Uh, yes. Oh shit! Yes, I did. I'll leave it at that.
3: What a lucky lady!
0: Ladies. No, no, no. <laughs> hey,
3: That's <laughs> <laughs> on one. They went on Tuesday, huh? Yeah. Shit! I'm blowing up your spot.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> what's funny is I'm finding out that some people do actually listen to, listen to the pods that I do, and it's. I'm getting myself in trouble with the anything but hockey one.
3: Jim, remember that time your dick was so big it didn't fit in your pants? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Churching you up a little bit.
0: I shared that story on here.
3: Oh, I I remember when you saved that dog from the burning building, too. (laughs) You're just a real classy guy all around. A Cadillac amongst men.
0: I try, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And on that lovely note, let's talk about, uh, Hoc- yeah, let's talk some hockey here. Uh, uh, something that I really have no interest in bringing back up again, but uh, 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 Jack Eichel's going to be a flyer and they're going to trade <laughs> for him. And uh, that opinion, that was the first time in a long time I've had f- all the flyers Twitter turned against me and I didn't even mention Taron Hatcher. Uh, hmm. Yeah, ah. they were uh, uh, not not happy with that opinion even though it is the correct take.
2: Yeah, well, it's because everyone just thinks that Sean Couture is the best player in the NHL aside from Crosby and McDavid. Well, not even Crosby. It's more like McDavid and nobody else. But, you know, Sean Couture is amazing. Don't get me wrong, but, like, this thought process that he's, like, amongst the McKinnons and the McDavid's and the Matthews and the Eichels of the world, like – it's just not accurate and that's not to say that he's garbage. Like, you know how many fucking centers there are in this league? Like, to be considered among the top twenty is like quite an honor. But just because he's not considered elite, which he isn't, people get mad over it, and I don't really understand why.
1: The NHL put out a long time.
3: People... Go ahead,
1: Dan. Sorry. The NHL put out a list today of the top sixteen centers and uh, Sean Couturier was 14 of 16, and of course, Flyers, Twitter, and Meltdown. But looking at the list here, 1 through 15 go as follows. McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon, Bergeron, Dreisaitl, Malkin, Matthew Stamkos, O'Reilly, Tavares, Shifley, uh, Nick Backstrom, and Alex Barkov are the ones ranked above Couturier, and realistically,
3: they're all better than Sean Couturier! Yes. I would take every single one of those guys over Couturier in a fucking heartbeat.
2: But it's uh, like, you could maybe debate a few, like, maybe Shifley, you could Mick say Couturier's better. Maybe, and sure,
1: there are, it's not unanimous, but for the most part, none of them are, are are world better. None of them are people that I would not take over Couturier.
2: Like, I think we could all agree the three best centers, undisputedly, are McDavid, Crosby, and McKinnon, correct? Yes. Right? And then... After that, and this will include, like, players who aren't on this list, for me, after them, it comes with, like, Eichel, Barkov, Matthews, depending if you value offense over more re- well-rounded play. Like, Barkov's obviously kind of, like, evolving into a Kopitar type, Well, I think Jack Eichel's the best pure goal scorer uh, among centers. Well, I guess you could kind of argue Austin Matthews, too, but Matthews has had... The luxury to play with much better players than Eichel has but you know then you this isn't even counting Elias Pettersson on this list who could very well be one of the best centers in the NHL sooner rather than later Leon Dreisel was arguably the best player this year in all you know Tyler Sagan isn't on this list I know he kind of gets hot and cold as well but when he's on his game he's as good as anyone Uh, Stamkos as nick pointed out before we came on the air he's a what four-time 50 goal guy at one time was the best goal scorer in the nhl alongside ovechkin like i think people kind of get clouded on the fact that offense does often come at a premium this year because at the end of the day it's much easier to go out and find a guy who can play on the defensive side of the puck than a guy who can score goals or produce offense at will and that's no slight on katoria like i've said so many times he's right around that 15 mark amongst centers, amongst the NHL. But at the end of the day, he's never cracked 80 points. He's not exactly a lethal offensive player. He's, I would say, subpar on the power play. Like, there were a lot of stretches this season where he didn't play for his power play for the Flyers. And it's not a knock on him. And, you know, Dan always says it when we talk about this. Like, I feel the need to almost bash him a bit, but it's not bashing, it's just trying to bring people back down to reality.
1: It's a hard line to not bury Sean Couturier, but bury him just enough. You, know, like you gotta fucking, uh, knock him down a peg because he's not the greatest thing, you know, since sliced bread, but he's not bad either. You know, and, and the argument that I heard is, let me find the tweeter, I have a bunch of, uh, screenshots. Uh... Here's Actually, I saw this tweet before we uh, uh, started recording, and I'm ready to blow a fuse, so I might as well do it on air. Somebody, when I put that article out, uh, tweeted, Flyers trade Couturier and others for Eichel. Sounds crazy not to, right? The total opposite for me. The Couturiers and Bergerons are way too valuable to trade. They then have to give up more when they go looking for Sean Couturier's replacement. Here's the thing with that. To me, Kevin Hayes is far closer to Sean Couturier than Sean Couturier is to Jack Eichel.
2: Bang on. I agree.
1: He's as proven himself as that two-way guy. He's here for the next fucking decade. May as well use him. And right before he went on the air, the same guy who tweeted that tweeted, Patrice Bergeron is overrated. And I almost lost my fucking mind when I saw that.
3: What an asshole. How? How can
1: you say?
3: Oh. <sighs> Guy, I'd like to know who that dumbass is, but you shouldn't dignify him by saying his name. Then somebody replied, what an idiot. I bleed
1: orange and black, but I disagree with this. He's a really good player all over the ice. He and Kutz are very similar players. Uh, he replied, yeah, he's really good. Great even, but people overrate him criminally. God damn it! <laughs>
0: <laughs> they only have one line on that Boston Bruins team. And he, he plays against the best offensive and the best defensive players on the other team. Correct. Best a killer in the NHL. I don't know how you can overrate him. I don't. I don't like him because Couturier always loses to him, but I don't think he's overrated. He. I mean, he. He's good.
3: He's been to the finals three times.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been, been around for fucking him. ever. I feel like
2: he's been on the Olympic team twice. World Cup of Hockey team Canada. He played with Crosby, and you know maybe not so much Pasternak because that guy's just such a raw goal scorer and such a pure talent, but a Brad Marchand, like maybe I'm way off base with this comment, but I don't think Brad Marchand sniffs what he is today without Patrice Bergeron, both for on ice play and intangibly, you know, we forget, but once upon a time, people considered Brad Marchand slightly better Brandon Gallagher. Like that's where they kind of were. And it was only the past couple of years when they were able to kind of like remarche in a bit based on the help from Patrice Bergeron and maybe Zdeno Chara in an, an intangible way. You know, I think it's been well documented that the Boston Bruins have a very strong leadership group, a, a group that has been together for quite some time. You know, uh, Char has been the captain since 06. Bergeron's been an assisting captain for the entirety of that time. You know, up until a few years ago, they had the likes of the Andrew Ferences, and um, the Johnny Boy Chucks, Dennis Seidenberg was there for a long time. You still have David Krejci, who has also been, a, in large part, an underrated center in this league for a long time. You know, Bergeron does all the little things right, like uh, Jim just pointed out. You don't notice him, but, look, I, I think that John Katori, by the end of his career, could be considered alongside of Patrice Bergeron. But just based on pure results of what Bergeron has done... I don't think you can use the term overrated with him.
3: No. I think people overvalued Coots right out the gates because he was an 18-year-old rookie makes the team's first year. Points wise, he had a quiet season, but then he had that hat trick and everyone made a big deal about him shutting down Malkin and that was like, you know, fucking 8 years ago now, and then people kept riding his dick about that playoff series for like 4 years. And he honestly didn't wake up until 2017 offensively when they put him with offensive players.
1: I think Couturier holds the distinction of being underrated for so long, and now he's overrated.
0: Yeah, isn't that funny? Like That's typical Philly, isn't it? Like There's no middle. Like You can acknowledge that the guy is good, and he deserves to be in the Selkie Trophy running year in and year out lately. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But to say that, He's not getting credit, not getting the credit because better players are just better than him. is is dumb, and I think you know that's just Philly. Like, oh, you know, so and so's beating him out. He's he's underappreciated, or he's he's just as good. Well, Couturier is good, but he's not as good as some of these guys, and it, that's is really that simple.
1: The but, collective uh, overvaluing that the fans mm-hmm. have of every single fucking person on this team whether it be you know Joe Schmo Prospect or or fucking Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux just I don't I don't get it man why why is it so hard to admit that there are better players in the league than what is on this team I, I brought this up with Anthony when the world juniors happened and people were losing their shit that Bobby Brink was on the third line and Cam York was a seventh guy you know like there are no other prospects in the fucking world that were on that team, you know? It's just like,
0: uh, I
1: don't, I don't get it. It's all part of the Ron Hextall, you know, side effect of of, of valuing picks and prospects and holding on to everybody in your team because trading, I don't want to trade a draft pick for a 35-year-old. Fuck! It's been years since that, and I still hate it. I put out a tweet at the end of the, when, when that Eichel thing happened, <coughs> You know what was Flyers Twitter like when they acquired Chris Pronger, and Flyers Twitter was technically around. It was in his infancy, only a year or two old at that point. And people said that they liked it. I had a few people say they were mad they traded Spiza because he was going to be a star. Which, with the benefit of hindsight, is a hilarious comment. But uh, at the uh. time, it was kind of true. But uh, you know, and I think about it, and I'm like, well, how could all these people like this so much? And I dawned on me, like it was before Hextall in the brainwashing that accompanied him. You know. It, Chris Pronger were traded today, if they went out and got Alex Petrangelo, Anthony and I have talked about this as well, if they acquired Petrangelo's rights for two first-round picks and a prospect, what would this fan base do? They would have a goddamn meltdown, right? No matter how good it made the team, no matter how more competitive it made the team, fans would hate it because, oh, it's gonna be Morgan Frost and you, know, whatever. Fuck! I hate this fan base sometimes. This is one of those pieces. When I write an article, I can always tell if it's going to be controversial. And this one was one of those ones when I was writing in the second I suggested Sean Couture, oh, I could feel the venom through the keys.
3: <laughs> well, I've missed let's... this, Dan. I've missed this venomous Dan. Bring in the
2: fire. Well, like, let's look at a comparable. So they traded two first-round picks that turned into John Moore and Emerson Edom, Joffrey Lupul and Lucas Pisa. So Lucas Pisa, a first round, a defenseman from picked in the first round, it would probably be the equivalent of trading Cam York, uh, Joffrey Lupul, a um, middle six forward on a relatively big contract, JVR, and then two first round picks. So let's say that they traded Cam York, JVR, and two first round picks for Alex Pietrangelo. Would how would the fans react, and would it be a good move? I do that way ten ways a Sunday if I can. Hell yeah.
1: I would as well, but the fans would melt down because yeah. they believed Cam York's going to be good. And two first-round picks? You can't trade two first-round picks! No! we got to draft more people at 23rd overall so they can be middle-of-the-road. Nothing happened in fucking prospects for the next 10 years!
3: They think every prospect is going to turn into Nick Lidstrom on defense or uh, McDavid on offense. I
1: had a Sabres fan message me, and he goes that they probably wouldn't want to start with Kateria because he's 27. If they're going to trade Eichel, they're going to burn the whole, you know, system down and start again. Again! For the, you know, second or third time. And... Which is just not true. When I wrote the piece, I actually had an alternate scenario in there that I ended up deleting because I figured I was already going to talk about trading Sean Kateria. I shouldn't mention anybody else. Uh, Fucking people would really hate me. But, uh, people that say they wouldn't, and a couple people say they wouldn't trade prospects for Eichel, which I left kind of open-ended in the piece. I mentioned one of the top four guys being uh, Frost, York, Brink, or Zumal, I believe, are the four that I suggested. And it blows my mind that people wouldn't trade Morgan Frost for Jack Eichel. They would rather hold on to Morgan Frost and pretend and pray to whatever god they believe in that he's going to be a star rather than trading him for somebody that's actually a fucking star!
3: Ah! <laughs> can, I, uh, can I read some stats that I wrote down that would help strengthen our
1: argument? Sure. I just blew my throat out going to yeah. it. Yeah.
3: Have a sip of water, and I'll read all some stats, and then uh, we'll digest. So, Eichel, he's only done five years in the NHL. So, these are his first five years. First game, I mean, first season, 81 games, 24 goals, 32 assists, 56 points. Buffalo finishes 14th. The next year is second year, 24 goals again, 33 assists, 57 points. Buffalo finishes 15th. The next year is third year, 67 games, 25 goals, 39 assists, 64 points. Buffalo finishes dead last, 16 out of 16 in the East. The next year, last year, the, the last full year, 77 games 28 goals 54 assists for 82 points on a 13th place buffalo team and then this year 68 games for 36 goals and 42 points 78 points his team is 13th place he has 337 points in his first 354 games on a dog-shit team buffalo has been in the playoffs since 2011 and they haven't passed the first round since 2007. Uh, to compare Eichel's first five years to Couturier's. So Couturier's first year was that 11-12 year where they uh, got bounced by the Devils in the second round. He had 13 goals, 27 points, 77 games. The lockout shortened season. He only had four goals and 11 assists in 46 games. Uh, let's see. Then he... Uh, Starts to wake up a little bit. Actually, not really. Uh, He finished. He gets a third year. He gets 13 goals, 26 assists. Full season he plays. Uh, The next year, 15 goals, 22 assists, 32 points. Another full season. Uh, His fifth year, only 39 points, 11 goals, and 63 games. So in Sean Peturier's first game, uh, 350 games in five years, he only had 157 points compared to Eichel's 337. If you were to compare the last three years where uh, Couturier has woken up. He has uh, 76 points, 76 points, and 59 points this year until it all got cut short. That's when he started playing with Giroux for uh, 211 points in 233 games. Uh, Eichel has 13 more points in 21 less games over the last three years than Couturier. And that's all on a dog shit team. The Flyers this year were second in division. Uh, Last year, they were sixth. They finished 500. The year before that, the Flyers finished third and got boat raced by Pittsburgh in the first round. So uh Eichel's putting up more points on a far less competitive team than Buffalo with Buffalo.
1: Jack Eichel succeeds despite being on the Buffalo Sabres. Sean Couturier succeeds because he's put on the top line with Claude Giroux and connecting.
3: Yes. Sorry, that was kind of rambly.
0: I don't know if it's just because of that though, but I hear what you're saying there, but I, I don't know if it's. I think he's a good player in his own right.
3: I think but, he's a very
1: good defensive player in his own right. I think his offensive numbers get exaggerated because he's with the top guys.
0: It could be, yeah, for sure. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt to play with those guys. I might also mention that Eichel is only what twenty three years old.
3: Twenty three. So you're getting a four year, uh, four guy, uh, four years younger player. Who's- yeah clearly better offensively. And
1: I think that's another part of this that I don't think people understand. Sean Katuri is still, I understand, viewed as a guy that's young. And he's 27. That's not, you know, super old. He's kind of in the middle of his career. But in the modern day NHL, like, once you hit 30, you're kind of useless. You know, you're, the, the downhill hits hard at that point. You know, Jack Eichel's 23 has gotten better every single season since his his uh, rookie debut. And he's playing on the fucking Sabres! Giroux, Eichel, Konechny.
3: Holy shit. Holy shit! Holy shit. (sighs) At best, the Sabres have finished 13th out of 16 teams in the Easter Conference. In an
1: expanded playoff year, they still fucking missed by multiple points. (laughs)
3: What a horrible franchise! I don't feel so bad about being a Flyers fan when I write off all that Sabers crap. Holy shit! You
1: just burned their whole franchise to the ground a couple of days ago. Fired what nineteen people or something like that. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, yes. while
0: we're on the uh, Buffalo Sabers here, let me ask you, Nick. What do you think about the uh, What do you think about Kim Pegula?
3: Is that the owner? Yeah. Uh,
0: does is he also president?
3: Does he also own the uh, Bills? Yeah, I believe. Well, this so, is yeah.
0: this is a woman.
3: I thought it's Terry Pagula.
0: Yeah, this is his uh wife or something, I think. I don't, Pagula.
3: I don't know honestly much about the Pagula family or, or anything like that. Didn't they recently buy the team? Like did they buy the team when the Flyers were playing them in the playoffs or that season? Like back in twenty eleven they purchased the Sabres? Yeah, Anthony shake his hand, yeah. I mean, you you bought a How team much almost freshy than Terry.
1: Holy shit
3: significantly was, oh. is, it a, is, it a, is it a trophy wife i don't know what she looks like not
1: really i was
0: gonna say i have a mystery question here from a mystery uh caller about is kim Pagula hot or not and nobody knows who she is
2: fake news
0: she's not <laughs> hot.
2: not really no, no that's harry
1: is 69 kim is 51
2: jesus
0: prime right for es- the picking
2: essentially like this is how it went down they were i don't know if they were going bankrupt but the owner at the time wanted to sell them and then Terry Pagula who i believe is a local guy from western new york like came back and built, bought the team and he was not only like financially invested but he was like emotionally invested like i don't know if you guys remember but pretty much like the first regime in Buffalo was a short lived one by Pat LaFontaine. They brought him in from the NHL to be the president of hockey ops. And he took over from Darcy Regeer and Darcy Regeer had been there for quite some time, led them through like the Drury, the Briere, the Derek Roy, again of uh, Ryan Miller era. So six. yeah, exactly. So he came in and I remember this press conference like yesterday, like he was like borderline crying, like remembering like the, you know, the times of the French connection and saying like how much of an honor was to have a legend like Pat LaFontaine come in, be like the head of the organization, kind of like Brendan Shanahan is to the Toronto Maple Leafs, like that kind of role. And then they hired Tim Murray as the general manager shortly thereafter. And then, They just had a falling out with Pat LaFontaine, and he was in and out of there before, you know, this thing even got off the ground. I think it was less than six months later after Tim Murray got hired. So right then and there, I kind of sensed, like, uh, that doesn't always happen. Like, that's kind of fucked up, actually. And then that's when it just kind of snowballed. And ever since they lost out on the draft to get – Aaron Ekblad, I believe. That was the first year they tried to tank. And they lost, lost out on him, took Sam Reinhardt second, and Settle went third. And then it's just been a snowballing of
3: bullshit since. They've owned the team for almost a decade, and they've made zero progress, the Pagoulas. Because so, they burn it, 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 it down every couple years.
1: This is, what, third major time they've changed gms since
0: i kind of like it let them suck
3: what a
1: dumpster fire they're gonna be like hey, the,
0: the new browns or
1: they put the Edmonton oilers terrible. to shame
0: yeah the oilers they're, they're like a team that you just love to see suck all the time
2: <laughs> yeah you know well yeah. like lindy ruff was there for fuck how long like 20 oh, years fuck ago? that guy oh, okay so time. And he, I believe he left. I don't even think it was a firing. I think he just mutually agreed to part ways with then GM Tim Murray because he's just like, yeah, fuck this shit. And then he went to Dallas. But I believe it was at the end. His last season was the 2013 lockout shortened season. I think that was the last year he coached there. 97 to 2012. Okay. So a year before that. Since then, behind the bench, they've had Ted Nolan. Dan Bilesma, Phil Housley, and Ralph Krueger. That's four coaches in the last eight years. So, on average, their coaches are getting, like, two seasons. Now, I'm not saying that any of those guys were world beaters. Like, Phil Housley was a fucking joke. Dan Bilesma proved that he's dog shit without Crosby and Malkin, dragging him through the mud. I, I like Ralph Krueger, and apparently he has the respect and, like, the players bought in with him and then you kind of get to Jason Botterill, the GM that just got canned and there's no defending him really because he traded a fucking Ryan O'Reilly for a bag of used condoms pretty much.
0: Oh you know, God. he's,
2: he fucking, the drafting has been horrible um for the most part. You know, he fucking entered the last two, two seasons with Carter Hutton as the starting goaltender. Like he hasn't done his part. But at the same time, it seems as though he's not being... that He wasn't really enabled to do the job the right way by the ownership.
1: I was the one thing, like, they just gutted the entire front office of the entire franchise. But it's like, their entire roster shit. Why not try uh, making a couple trades or, or signing a couple dudes and try and put a fucking competitive team on the ice? Rather than just... Let Jack uh, Jack Eichel out there all alone no wonder why the guy fucking hates it there
3: and now that Jeff Skinner contract is biting him in the ass because he uh lit it up his contract year, and now he ain't living enough what's he getting another seven eight years at a eight million dollars something like that I'm sure Anthony (laughs) does
2: could I try and defend
3: that contract for a second Uh, oh yeah $9 Nine million dollars I
2: mean, he... for uh
1: seven more years.
2: <laughs> Did you say nine million dollars? <laughs>
1: nine million dollars for seven years.
2: Uh. Oh my right. god! So, hear me out here. I'm just gonna try and play devil's advocate because it's obviously a brutal contract in terms of pure production. But let's agree that if Jeff Skinner went to market, he probably would have gotten somewhere in the range of seven to eight million dollars a year. Probably.
3: We're... Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: So if you're Jeff Skinner, are you staying in that bullshit for anything less than $9 million a year? No. I don't okay. think $9 million is enough. I don't blame him. <laughs> no, and to be fair, like, the chance to play with Jack Eichel, who in my mind is a top five center in the NHL, that's pretty intriguing. But from Bodderhill's standpoint, he knows it's a fucking dumpster fire. Like, by all accounts, he's a really smart guy, and he knows how big of a fucking clown show it is out there. If they let Jeff Skinner walk, who else are they going to get? Who the fuck is going to yeah. sign a big ticket contract That's in point. Buffalo? That's like, I'm not trying to say that he didn't overpay, but he damn well knew he was overpaying. And look, I live in Montreal, and for uh, for the last three seasons, Mark Bergevin has took it in the teeth from the local media because they've gone into each season with like eight nine million dollars of salary cap space. And the fact is it's because people don't want to come to Montreal. The weather's shit, the the fans are nuts. There's French people everywhere. <laughs> like like that's just the fact. Like Montreal like for all for how epic it is as as a nightlife for most foreign play, for most foreign players it's not an attractive destination. So if they want people to come here, they have to overpay. Like Carl Alsner, who's now with the Laval Rocket. But what's better, overpaying but actually adding talent like the Flyers did with Kevin Hayes or saying, no, I refuse to overpay whatsoever and we're not going to add talent at all?
1: Funny you mentioned that, actually, because that was the comp- – listen, 11,000 people read that Jack Eichel article. And I would say about half of those people commented in some way, shape, or form, mostly to yell at me. But there was one – none of those comments got under my skin except one. And it's by Anthony's best friend, Jamie Baskill. Oh,
2: Jesus. And
1: he quoted the tweet saying, The Flyers are good. They are truly building something good here. I'm tired of the old way of acquiring talent. Build within like Hexie did and Fletch continues to do. And I goddamn near had a stroke because I was so angry. First of all, What is Fletcher building within for? No, he's not. He signed Kevin A's madness. It's getting Dr just a bond, you dumb motherfucking inbred piece of shit. But first and foremost, the old way of acquiring talent? What does that mean? Signing free agents? Making trades? Putting a fucking competitive hockey team on the ice? Rather than pretending that Morgan Frost is some goddamn Antichrist hero coming in? Fuck! That's not how you do it! Are you telling me Ryan O'Reilly and Brayden Shen were always St. Louis Blues? Jay Bowmeister was always there? Nah! They're homegrown. It was always like that. Who the fuck won the cup? TJ Oshie? In Washington, was he always there? Ah, the old way of acquiring talent, and a bill from within! Prospect, prospects, prospects, prospects! Who gives a shit if it's another 15 years? Dan the Flyer fans in a goddamn nursing home shitting his pants in 2074 because the Flyers have got a fucking cup! Because they're still waiting for Morgan Frost to be something! Fuck! When I saw that comment, I was so... Brutal- Here's a little insider thing for everybody that nobody knows. Sunday night, I recorded an episode. Never put it out. Did a solo show. Just read through comments as Jack Eichel piece. It screamed just like I'm doing now. It is the lost angry negative show for the fucking all time. All right. I still have the file. May put it out one day. Maybe not. I don't know. But fuck when I read that, I was so furious. The old way of acquiring talent. The old way of acquiring talent.
2: What a moron. (laughs) You know what's hilarious? The St. Oh, Louis Blues God. top three centers last year were all acquired from outside the organization in trader free agency. Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly, Tyler Bozak. And their fourth line center, I don't even, I'm trying to remember now who it was, but was it was doesn't it really matter. Was Fabry last year, maybe? Sunquist?
3: No, yeah, he, wasn't he was high in the line.
2: I feel like it was Barbashev,
3: actually. Yeah, maybe. As uh, a senator, maybe Sunquist is a uh, wing.
2: yeah, and and it's kind of hilarious that Jamie would say that. Like, just continue. Fletcher should just. It's continue on brand
1: with- for him, that's for sure. Dumb fucking take that nobody respects.
2: Dude, uh, well, fuck one of his um, one of his uh, writers. Lance- oh yeah,
1: you really got at it with him yesterday. <laughs>
2: Dude, when you when me and Dan Silver are fighting on the same side of an argument, that you know you bizarre. got a fucking tart yeah. on on your hands. Like Dan and I always now respectfully. One time there was no respect, but now we've caught we've buried the hatchet. But we, we still have very different takes on hockey. But when both of us are arguing the same point, you know you got a fucking clown waving something at you because Jesus Christ. What was he saying? Let Braun go and replace him with Moray, Friedman, or Zamula. They can do the job. And then went on to say that Robert Haig is better than
0: him.
1: And was talking about letting Braun go because he was gonna cost too much and yet he was all in favour of keeping Shane Gosses Bear.
0: That's moronic. That's all I had to hear.
2: Yeah. Jim, what what do you what do you think? Because like for and for you sorry. to Oh, he dropped.
0: <laughs> Bye, Nick <laughs>
2: He'll be back. I hope well, probably. like, Jim, I'm curious to see with you, because I don't really think anyone can argue that pro Niskanen, Sanheim were the Flyers' top three, and anchors. And you could even make the argument that Sanheim carried more of a load than Niskanen, because his partners were always changing on, this, on the second pair. But after those three, like, would you say Braun was the best, Myers?
0: Yeah, so, like, if you're looking for, like, yeah. I feel like Myers would stand out to everybody, right? Because the couple plays that he made kind of stand out in your mind, but I would say overall, the player that I would want, the the, I th- I guess in short, Braun was the fourth best defenseman on this team, and I think he his first impression he really gave off a bad first impression. I remember that goal against Chicago, and it took him like a couple games to get his shit together, and everyone's like, oh, we gave up a second and third for this guy, blah blah blah. But he quietly turned his season around and. He really didn't make too many bad plays throughout the rest of the season. Uh, you mentioned Provorov, Niskanen, uh Sandheim. Braun could play on that second pair, and it would be fine. He could play on that third pair with with Hague, or uh, I don't know if he was playing with Gouspa that much, but he was fine. And he so the the I think the benefit of Braun is he makes sure <clears throat> he makes sure his defensive partner, Is fine as well. He doesn't just play his game. He caters his game to the guy that he's playing with And I think a lot of people out there They either don't understand the importance of a player like that or they don't appreciate it They think that if he's not putting up uh, I don't know 20 25 30 points as a defenseman You're kind of worthless in today's league, but that's totally not the case like if if you want to unlock a player's potential, like say Travis Sanheim, or even an Ivan Provorov, that who we saw this year kind of come into his own a little bit again playing with Niskanen, you need a guy that allows you to play your game, an, an unselfish player who will say, okay, go do your thing, I'll sit back and you know, and and watch what happens. You know, I'll play defense, whatever it is. And I, I can't really stress enough how important that kind of player is, and. You'll hear some guys say, "Oh well, that's a that's a dime a dozen guy. They can just go out and get another free agent." Well, if it was that fucking easy, why didn't they do it in the last four or five years? Like they've had
1: (laughs) the defensive defenseman is a lost art in twenty twenty. You know, you don't have many guys that do it like Braun does, and and the fans don't appreciate it. And again, it you know they would rather watch flashy shit. You know, they would rather watch Gossesburg go out there. And try and you know shoot a puck on the net, and a lot of that again, a lot is analytics related because you know guys like Braun don't translate well to your fucking heat maps. But uh, a defensive, a defensive defenseman is more important than an offense. I would much rather have a team full of six Justin Brauns than I would six Shane Gostas bears. I would much rather have a guy that is solid in the defensive zone than a guy who's going to go up and risk trying to play offense, fail miserably, and then get scored on. You know, and that's why I'm not the biggest fan of San and Myers. cuz I still see that shit on a semi-regular basis. Braun is going to be that kind of stay-at-home force you need. Now, his age kind of gets involved there. I believe he's 33, soon to be 34, something along those lines. And it makes it challenging to re-sign him cuz I think he's still going to demand in the 3 million range for, you know, a year or two. So, it makes it hard to re-sign him, but he's not a guy that I would let walk peacefully. I would do everything in my power to try and keep him at a reasonable, team-friendly deal, but not trying to hamper anybody. And that was that guy's whole point. I I don't want his, I don't want his contract. He's not good. He's, you know, this and that. Listen, he was really praising Friedman. And this is something that I've talked about multiple times this year as an avid Phantoms goer. You know, I saw him all season in... He was the Phantoms' top guy, but that's kind of by default because they have zero talent down there last year. And during his call-ups, he didn't royally fuck anything up, which from a you know young defenseman is all you can ask. But I don't think he's a guy that is a top six NHL defenseman yeah. long term. I think he's a good seventh guy who can hop in and play limited minutes every couple weeks if you have to. I think beyond that, you're asking for trouble. Sam Rand, I think Fitch very much in the same way, as much as I love him dearly. <laughs> you know, he's just not a guy that I think is a regular top six guy, even though he's – now, if he can develop his game and put some speed in there, get back, play a very solid defensive game, you have something there because, you know, that that's that's a, a, a different caliber given the uh, his high side is his penalty killing and overall defense. But the guys like Justin Braun are not dimes a dozen, whereas your Mark Friedman's are. You're borderline nothing happened in defensemen because we've had him filled on the Flyers blue line for the better part of a decade now. You know, I I would take a team full of bronze over ghosts every single day.
0: There's so many intangibles that come with a guy like Braun that people forget that don't show up on the stat sheet. Like if I'm sorry, Anthony, but if if you've played a sport, if you've played a game, a guy like Braun with the calming presence, that's going to allow you to do your thing and unselfishly do the bullshit part of the game while you go out and, you know, do the flashy shit. they're, They're so important to a locker room, to a lineup. And it, he, what he does doesn't show up on a stat sheet, and that's what everybody bitches about, I think.
2: Well, like, l- just look at the history of the past teams that won a cup. Like, St. Louis last year, they won not because their defense was rushed in the puck up every game. They won because no one could get fucking through them. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from Vince Dunn, who missed a lot of the playoffs, of, I believe, mm-hmm. who yeah, is yeah. pretty much their only natural offensive defenseman, like, Pietro Angelo is very much like an Ivan Provorov, excellent but not flashy offensively. Just very well rounded. Joel Edmondson, who they had last season, was a big monster. Same thing with Colton Pareko. You had Carl Gunnarsson and Robert Bertuzzo, who are very you know stay-at-home minded guys. Bertuzzo much more much more so than Carl Gunnerson. The year before that. You know, the Washington Capitals, yeah, okay, they do have John Carlson, who's evolving into a superstar, but Brooks Orpik played a big role in that team. Matt Niskanen played a big role in that team. Defensive-minded guys. Orpik much more so, but robust guys. The year before that, for God's sakes, the 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 Penguins were Ron Hainsey. You know, they wrote him to win the Stanley Cup. It, and I remember like, Daly oh, a
1: couple of years back, if I remember correctly.
2: Trevor Daly, too. Like, of course, they had the luxury of Justin Schultz as well, who came in and played a big role. And um, I know that Chris Letang was only there for one of the two Cups. But when he's healthy, he's in the top, you know, 10 to 15 range of the NHL. But then even before Pittsburgh, Chicago, like, they rode guys like Jalmerson and Oduya and Seabrook. Before that, you had Regeer and um, Willie Mitchell and Matt, Matt Green in L.A. Like, Boston. Well, what could we say about them? Chara, Boychuk, Seidenberg, like all those monsters. McQuaid. So I'm not saying that it has to be, you know, Bob Hart, uh, Bob Clark, circa 2005, with Rathji and Hatcher leading the charge. My gratitude was great. But- <laughs>
3: hey, don't don't say anything about that in front of Dan.
2: <laughs> but like at the same time, this this idea that you have to have a bunch of like Shane spears on the team rushing the puck up, you guys. The proof is in the pudding. Teams that are big and robust on defense win the cup, and they go deep.
1: Defense wins championships.
2: Yeah, you're not going to
3: win. None of of those teams were like super flashy defensive teams. They're all heavies that are going to pin you to the boards, and then their forwards are going to run your defenseman through the glass. So, yes, spot on. You're not going to win with four Shane gostas bears. You're going to win with four... Justin Braun, Drew Doughty, Matt Green type dudes. Drew Doughty's more the high end who has like this offensive side to his game too. But Doughty takes He's care of that too. He's a yeah, like, All these teams also have that number one defenseman who can also move the puck. In, and uh, like Duncan Keith, Drew Doughty, Petrangelo, uh, uh, fuck That's Chris Letang. Fuck Latang. I don't want to say anything <laughs> about Pittsburgh. They also have the referees in their back pocket, those two cups.
1: I'm not saying that Sandheim and Myers and Goss is, but like they're not bad to have around but you can't build a team around them they're good you know they're, they're good what they are second pair guys you know Provorov is you know, one of the best probably overall uh, defensemen in the game that Niskanen has stepped in and played a phenomenal game so, so good you know Braun and Haig really nailed it down and that's why Haig fucking won a roster spot as much as it pissed your fans off because everybody hates Robert Haig for whatever reason you know, the reality of the situation is, is that he was playing a very good game, especially in the back half of the year. That's why Shane Gossesberg couldn't get back in, and he faked a knee injury for three months. You know. But do
2: you know how hard it is for other teams to play against a third pair like Hagen and Braun?
1: It's gotta suck. Yeah, that's no fun like, at all.
2: I'm sure you, you. we saw it at times. Like they'll get beat sometimes with the foot speed when it's fast guys take it wide. But like, that's a tough third pair to constantly go up against. Like they'll 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 make you feel it when you forecheck. and Sanheim. I think he impressed me near the the end of the season. I said, okay, this guy's really settling in as a real solid two three guy, and he's pretty big too. He's six three. He just needs to maybe fill out physically, mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I when it comes to Myers, I really feel like him and Braun like split evenly the four-five role between one another. Because while I think Braun ate a lot of the tough minutes that allowed for Myers to succeed, and I believe Myers was deployed in terms of zone starts the most favorably of anyone on the back end, but I also have to give Myers his credit because I also think having a guy like Myers to you know take those risks up the ice and play that more offensive game and drive, uh, drive play at times allowed Braun to just comfortably play his role as well. So it was a kind of a give and go with both of them. Obviously, like Jim mentioned, Braun ate those tough minutes that really fly under the radar, but Myers did his part too, more towards the end, of course.
1: When Myers and Sanheim finally kind of developed their game and, and, you know, adjust better at the NHL level, and Sandheim was is really starting to do that. Towards the end of the year, we're seeing that but Myers, especially. I think he had a really tough jump from the Phantoms to uh-huh. the Flyers, uh, especially. What I was watching with the, you know the Phantoms, he did some incredible shit down there. You know, uh, especially offensively, that you just can't do in the NHL. And I think once he realizes that and Sandheim develops a little more, you know, those two could be very, very good two way guys. And I think that's what you need. I don't think there's an Eric Carlson here. You know, there's no bona fide offensive guy that's going to, you know, uh, put up, you know, 70, 80 points a year. I just don't see it. But I think you got three really good two way guys in Provrov, Myers, and Sandheim for the future. And, of course, everybody's blowing smoke up the ass of Cam York and Zumo without even playing a professional game yet. Which I believe is another thing, Anthony, was the uh, uh, whoever you were arguing with yesterday, that uh, he thought Yorzumla was going to be a top-four guy next year. Jesus. And, uh, God, that was fucking frustrating reading this guy. Based on
0: what? YouTube. Here's I a question you for you guys. Here's a question. Oh so, let's say, that, let's say Braun doesn't re-sign this year, right? And then Niskanen's contract is up next year. Let's just say... Let's just say somehow they don't bring him back. Is is Provorov ready to lead this defense? Is he ready to be the the guy back there like is he ready to take over the Niskanen role, do you think in another year? Yes. Or do they got to go out and get another guy because let's just let's just say in a perfect world Cam York, Zamula, let's just say they pan out, they come up and now you're looking at a defense with Provorov, Sanheim, Myers, uh, let's say Hag is still around. Cam York Zamula. If I'm and and let's say I don't know, they still have Friedman and Morin hanging around. If I'm looking at that, I'm still thinking like either Ivan Provorov is going to step up and he's going to, you know, I know he's still younger, like 23, 24ish at, at that point. Is is he mature enough to lead that defense corps, or do they need to go outside and bring in an older guy still? Because that's going to be a young fucking defensive corps, man. Everyone's going to be under 25, I think.
1: I'm sure they'll find some kind of veteran to bring in. I don't know if it's going to be a veteran top guy. You know, if they bring in, like, Drew Doughty in three years or something, who would be in his, what, early 30s at that point. I don't know. I don't know if so he needs makes... anybody like that. But It
0: makes me wonder, though. Could they potentially move? I think they're going to have to move at least one of these guys. If
1: they can find another Matt Niskanen-esque player, a veteran guy who may be, you know, in the twilight of his career, but can still go. Bring him in, absolutely. But, yeah, there's the other thing about that. And uh, something that we've you know touched upon on this show in the past is the timeline here is not working out very well. From veteran players to young guys to the next wave of young guys. You know, this isn't working out. And this cap space especially isn't going to work out. And you're going to see it with guys. Probably Stan and Myers are two perfect examples of that who are going to be up in the next couple of years that you're looking at and going, okay, where are you going to fit money wise in here? You know, this cap's going to get very interesting and it's going to be hard to keep everybody. So, uh, that, that's, you know.
0: going to have to go. Yeah. JBR. At least one. Yeah. JBR. When,
2: to answer Jim's question, I don't think the question is very much so is Provrov going to be able to do his part. I think it's are Sanheim and Myers going to be able oh, to yeah. assume the roles of Niskanen and Braun. Okay. And that's why, you know, Dan and I touched a lot on Flyers AD. I think you guys have spoken about it in the past too. But like, that's why I think bringing in Alex Pietrangelo is so important. Because maybe Myers or Sanheim will be able to do that one day two years down the road, like Jim brought up, will they be able to survive without Niskan Braun? But if you got Pietrangelo, you know that you got it. Like, there, there's no more question marks. You erase that, and you solidify a guy like Pietrangelo. I believe he's 30 or going to be 30 soon in that range. He was drafted in 08, I want to say. And so, yeah, that would make him just about 30. Um, you could bring him in. You have him and Provrov for the next five years at the least as a bona fide, legitimate top pair, one of the best in the NHL. And then to what you guys were just saying, I think eventually a Myers or Sam Sandheim would have to go, but that's just the nature of the beast. You can't keep everyone like it happens, but that's the price you pay. And to Dan's point, I kind of really worry more about offensively because I think the Flyers have a much better like chance at surviving in the post niskanen and Braun era than they do in surviving in the post-Jero and Vorchek era. Yes. Because yeah. I don't I don't think people realize how good these two have been for the last seven years when fucking Hextall was doing a whole lot of fucking nothing in the front office. I know everyone wants to think that as Dan has said all this time, that Frost is Claude Giroux Jr. and Farabee's going to be the next coming of fucking Alex Ovechkin. But the yeah. chances of those two guys being even close to Jake and Giroux, it's really fucking thin. So I think that right now, their best chance, well, their best course of action would be bolster that defense, add a guy like Pietrangelo or someone of value, at the bare minimum, keep Braun, and use it to try and capitalize on the uh, the last few years of Voracek and Giroud.
1: I should uh, write a piece suggesting they acquire Alex Petrangelo in a trade.
2: And say that you're going to give up Myers and Sanheim.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you
1: would have to. But... Yeah, I, I would agree. I think they got to... Uh, this Stanley Cup window they have needs to be struck upon very, very quickly. And I'm talking in the next two or three calendar years. And I mean, it, it's already apparent that Claude Giroux is slowing down. We saw it this year. You can blame it on him being a new dad or or whatever, and I'm sure that plays a part in it. But he was visibly down from what he used to be, even last year. You know, the, the, the points this year. I'd watch him skate, and it's like this is not the same guy. And he's been around. He's played some hard minutes in that time. You know, it, it, the the past what's it been? Twelve years, something like that. Like he's not getting any younger. Voracek, I mean, when he's on, he's on. But again, he's what, 30, 29, something like that. I, he's been around a while as well. And and again, once you hit that thirty mark in the NHL, you're not going to get any better, you know. And and there's a stunning lack of legitimate talent uh, here, especially in the forward. You know, you want to argue it, it. You know, Zumula and and, and York are going to be defensemen. find more power to you. But realistically, here, you know, Frost eight Giroux. I don't give a shit how many fucking highlight reels you show me or how many top 20 Dan Silver lists you show me. I don't care. (laughs) It's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, Farabee made the jump. But is he a top winger? I certainly didn't see it yet. I think he is the keys to make it happen if the right situation, you know, arises. But I don't know. And Brink and uh, who the hell is the other one down there? Whatever, fuck. You know they're so young that it's hard to tell even if they're going to make it at the uh, the AHL level, right, let alone the NHL. So I don't know. I think they got to strike as quick as they can here and make it happen. And I, 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 all for acquiring Petrangelo. Yes, it's going to suck. The fucking contract is not going to be nice. It's not going to be pretty. And all the Ron Hextall people's brains are going to melt out of their fucking ears when they see that he's going to be making, you know, eight nine million dollars. But you know what? If it wins you a cup, who gives a shit?
3: You have to eventually start adding like uh, Fletcher did this year with Braun Niskin and Hayes. This is a team that's in a good hockey market that hasn't won a playoff series in almost a decade. And then people want to make side comments about how attendance is down this year. And it was a morgue last year, too. Well... When you make the playoffs every other year and get dominated in the first round by one of your rivals, whether it's the Rangers, Capitals, or Penguins, and the Penguins embarrassed them two years ago, yeah, like you guys are all saying, you have to eventually add. You can't just, all right, you you planted all these seeds. Well, sometimes you have to trade them away to get players like Pronger, like uh, Cut like Brady to make the like Braden right in survive. St. Louis. Yeah, like you have mm-hmm. to. you, you you're going to keep seeing. A barn that's not rocking if you don't fucking win a playoff series, if you don't go on a run. Look at look what happened to Carolina. They were dog shit for a decade. You put a product on the ice that is worth spending the money, and now they're fucking showing up, and the season tickets are going. Like, I, I'm i all the way up here in the Upper Bucks County. I'm not going to fucking pay out the ass to go watch a subpar product and Dan's Shaking his head no I'm gonna go see the phantoms which are a half hour up the road and a fraction of the price I love the flyers we all do but look if you're gonna put asses in seats you gotta make it worth my while I gotta fuck a mortgage to pay for
1: and it brings me back to what I started this conversation with which is Chris Pronger yes they added him and all of a sudden they went from good to great and it was the closest they tasted a cup who is this era's Chris Pronger?
3: Alex Petrangelo?
1: Jack
0: That's Eichel?
3: Jack Eichel, man. 23 years old, almost almost a point-per-game player on a horrible, horrible, horrible team on a piss-poor run franchise. Come on.
0: Let me just ask a question here real quick. Sure, Jim. Oh, actually, I have two. Are you telling me that you think this, ne- this team needs a guy to put them over the top? Yes. As is. So I don't think that I don't think they do. I think they can. Th- OK, team.
1: here's the thing. I think they could win as is, but I'm not convinced they could win as is.
0: You want a guy that's going to make them. Sure. I
1: want a guy. Yes. I want a guy that's going to say, no, fucks given. We're going out there. We're winning the cup. I don't give a shit. I think they could win as is. If the season never ended and we didn't drop off and they kept fighting as hard as they were there through whatever comes before March, February, you know, when they had those string of phenomenal games, you know, if Uh they kept that pace up and we had a regular playoffs, they probably would have challenged for a cup this year. No doubt in my mind they would have made it past the first round for the first time since 2012. Probably would have made it past the second round. Like, they would have been legitimate, but I don't know if they would have been good enough. And I, again, it's not necessarily a knock on the current team. It's just there are other teams that are very, very good. And if you, I get where you're coming from. You want to win, you need that guy.
0: Here's kind of my second question here. Let's say, see, if they didn't have a playoffs this year, and even the way that they're going to have them, I think kind of fucks over maybe the Flyers plan a little bit here because if the Flyers do go on a long playoff run, let's say it was this year and potentially next year, that gives guys like Provorov, Sanheim, Myers, uh, Hag, even, that playoff experience that this team right now doesn't have, right? So if you never get that experience, you can never become that guy. You have to go out and get that guy in a Pietrangelo still. How
1: many people on this team have, like, legitimate playoff experience?
0: Right. True.
1: Voracek, Hayes, JVR. Uh, yeah, JVR, Niskanen, Braun, and Kuch. I guess Brian Elliott, technically. He was in the playoffs with yeah. St. Louis. But, like, other than that, these are guys that don't really haven't tasted the playoffs. I mean, Kurturian, right. I guess, technically, but that was 2012 when he was a rookie. You know, outside of that, he's made it three times, got blown out of the water every single time. You know, that's why I think it was of, uh... it's such
0: a big deal for them to go make a deep run to get somebody even to get in and win around, just to give these guys some experience to be like, this is how this is what we gotta do to prepare to win a series. This is what we gotta do for the next one. Right now, the the entire D Corps has no idea what to do. Yeah. You know, so that's why they had to go out and bring in guys like Niskin and Braun to show these guys how to be professionals. And in the same the same turn, Allow them to play their game on the ice. They couldn't have made two better moves on defense this year in, in Niskanen and Braun. And that's kind of like, uh, that was part of my question for the future with, with Provorov. Do we think that he can take over and potentially be that Pietrangelo-type player that you know maybe they don't have to go out and get because he can become that guy? And I think the only way he becomes that guy is if they go on a couple deep runs, but those runs are going to have to be now and next season because they're going to be losing guys like Niskanen and Braun. That's that's kind of the window they gotta there.
1: they got to make it count. They waited too long under the Ron Hextall regime to strike, to, to be truly competitive. It wasn't until this year when they made it happen, when it should have happened in, like, 2017. And in the meantime, you wasted many years of Giroux and Voracek and really, frankly, even Sean Couturier. I mean, he's already 27. You know, you wasted the primes of these guys on dog shit teams. Now it's time to make it happen and make it count. And if you're going to win, you fucking better do it now because you can't sit around and wait another five years.
0: They're definitely winning the cup next year. One hundred percent. No doubt in my mind, next year they're winning the stand. And I never felt like that. Well, I haven't felt like that in a long time about the Flyers, but they'll only they are win 100- next
1: season if Sam Moran's a part of it.
0: They're winning the cup next year. That's
3: six
0: right foot down. seven. That's twisted steel right there, Samuel Moran. Six foot seven <laughs> of twisted steel and sex appeal, Samuel Moran. A great. <laughs>
3: That's another thing. They made me just think of that. With this whole Couturier first round exits. No, not just the deal, but the Couturier thing with the exits. What is everyone so fucking attached to? He's only got past the first round once. That was eight years ago. Is it all his fault? No. Hextall did not do anything to put a good product on the ice. But guess what? Except for the last three years, offensively, not good. And just a bunch of first round exits or completely missing the playoffs altogether. Why would you not want to upgrade with a player who is clearly better? What are you so attached to? To, well, like, to be,
2: to be quite honest, to? if you – because Jim was just saying or asking, like, do you think they need that one more player to push them over the edge? And he doesn't think so. I was thinking about it, and now, Nick, you just brought up what's so everyone so attached with Sean Katori about. If you literally just swapped out Katori for Jack Eichel – I think I would consider this team and a cup ready right now because the only thing that they're missing because their defense, well, I would, I think in an ideal world have like a slightly better number six to Robert Hague ideal world, but they could win a cup with that D that's a defense that can win a Stanley cup, but offensively they're missing a guy who can literally change the game offensively like Claude Giroux did in Game 6 against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Runs over Sidney Crosby, carries the puck in himself, rips a, a rips a goal top cheese. The Flyers do not have a player who can score like that. In 2010, what was their biggest driving force offensively? Because Danny Breer would blow down the fucking right wing and crack a slap shot top corner at any given point, to say nothing of Simone Gunny, and Jeff Carter. That's what the Flyers are missing. They're missing a guy... Who can by himself create offense? And the, the closest guy they had to that this year was Jakub Vorchek. And that takes a lot for me to say because I am not the president of his fan club. And sometimes I want to Randy Orton punt him in the head just because of how <laughs> fucking lazy he is. But to this year, like we had those Brotherly Puck like awards, and I chose him as the best offensive player because as soon as. I think it lined up exactly when Limblom got the cancer diagnosis. More Maybe less, he yeah. real right around mid-December, right before the holidays, he turned it up and he completely picked up the slack for what was left vacant by Limblom's diagnosis. And that's saying a whole lot because Voracek's great and he's had, what, two or three 80-plus point years, but he's not a superstar. He's a very good player, but he's not a superstar. Jack Eichel coming in... And being that guy playing with a Jakub Voracek or a Claude Giroux or a Travis Konecny, someone not named Gergensens or Connor Sheary, you know, I think he's a hundred point player if he's playing with Voracek or Giroux. That's me, the guy. I think he sniffed ninety last year. He was in that range. I missed some time. And Eighty-two points. Yeah, I think he's a hundred point player with a with a legitimate first line winger, hands down. Now, like Dan said earlier, you have Kevin Hayes that is way closer to Sean Couture than Sean Couture is to Jack Eichel. Now, to, so I guess just to round it out, to, I think that if you if you one for one swapped out Katori for Eichel, this is a team that can win a Stanley Cup this year.
1: One of the uh, responses, let me pull it up here. I have a whole bunch of screenshots from these responses. Uh, I think it was actually one that I showed Anthony already. Uh, <laughs> Sean O'Hara here. I don't know if I'd even trade Coots for Eichel one for one, even if Buffalo retains salary. <laughs>
2: I want to fight that guy.
1: He's got a very punchable face, Sean. I don't know if you know. You probably don't know how to hit the play button, so I assume you're not listening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Jim, would Jim, what do you think about that take? You take out Sean Katori and you just plop in Jack Eichel. One for one swap. Do you think yeah. the Flyers have a better
0: chance? Yeah, 100%. Any day of the week. 100 like you... I don't know how you don't do that Do that for uh, Coots. I, I love Coots. Like, I'm not attached to Coots. I think he's a great player. He serves a purpose. But we're talking about a top five talent potentially in the entire league. I and mean, people don't understand that because nobody watches the Sabres.
1: That's what I accumulated a lot of this, too. A lot of the hate that I got, I don't think people truly have ever watched Jack Eichel other than the handful of times the Flyers have played him over the past couple of years. I don't think they realize how good he going to be a 40-goal scorer this year. Yeah, oh, he okay. well on his way. And you use the word what? attached. I think that's a good point because we've brought this up before, Jim. Like, I don't give a shit about anybody on this current team. There's nobody <laughs> that I'm attached to from a standpoint of like, like Eric Desjardins when I was a kid, if they traded him, I would have been heartbroken. You know, when they yeah. traded Peter Forsberg, I damn near cried because I fucking love those guys. But I don't feel like that about any of these guys. I don't give a single fuck about Sean Couturier. You know, like he's very good, but if I lose him, I'm not losing any fucking sleep. Okay, right. especially if it's for Jack Eichel. I'm not attached to this team, and I think a lot of these fans are. And it's such a weird level of of putting your own people over. And I brought this up on Twitter, and a lot of people were, like, mocking it almost. And I, I just don't understand why people just can't value their own players in a reasonable way. Why do they have to overvalue everything?
0: Fuck! You know why it is, dude? Because Couture has been here since he was 18. He's been he's been in the league for almost 10 years already. That's another it's one. Fuck, it's a... fucking insane, man. Like, he, it seems like he's only been, like, producing for... What, going on three, three four years. years now? But he's been in the league for almost ten years, Funny like a you decade, man.
1: Somebody said, uh, they replied to that tweet about the, uh, the Kateri and uh, Bergeron being thing. They said, agreed, it took Coots this long to come into the type of player he is. I'm not about to let another team reap the benefits of our patience or lack thereof.
0: That's such a dumb way to think. And it's like why? Like, <laughs> because it's he's been here for ten years, we have to keep him? Yeah, ah! yeah, because we went through something, let's not improve in a heartbeat.
3: Yeah, it's, like it's bittersweet to see someone go that you watched grow up and turn into a nice player. And You know, he's probably a nice guy. You never hear a bad thing about him as the person, but... I
0: Jack Eichel, 337
3: points, 354 games on the Buffalo fucking Sabres. Not said.
0: Yeah, they're just they're attached to the guy. It'd be like, I don't know, I, growing up, the only guys that were around for 10-plus years were fucking, like, Lindros, Leclerc, Desjardins... Yganye. Yganye, yeah. Uh, It was
3: shocking when they traded Lindros. It was shocking.
0: And then if you even think about it even more, how many guys have they drafted that have been with the team for almost 10 years? You know, like not too many guys have been here for their entire career. I I mean, Giroux, obviously, but I don't know. I could see why people could be attached to Couturier, but you can't let that stop you from... I get it, but
1: I don't get it. (laughs) <laughs> you can like a player, but like be reasonable. Now that's asking a lot of Flyers Twitter. I understand. Okay, <laughs> yeah. reasonable is not fucking a word they understand very well. But I just, I just don't get it, man. I don't understand the the over attachment to players. Why? But I
2: think it comes. Da- oh, sorry, Dan. Um, what I think it comes down to is, uh, y- ever since this love affair with Sean Couturier kind of started the year Giroux had the 102 point season because that's when he was, became a first line center and he scored more than 40 points for the first time in his career, which people like people forget that. Like he was like a 35 point guy up until that year. And I think every year since he's had, or he had 78, 78 and this year he would have been on pace for around the same thing, I believe. But I think it's because Giroux has started declining since then a bit. Like he was still very solid last year, but like he's not the that dominant guy anymore. I think we could all agree that Giroux not an elite level player anymore. And people are trying to hang on to some forward that they want to consider elite. They want one flyer to stand amongst the rest in the NHL and be like. He's the best, and like that's why we see it with Carter Hart. And look, I think Carter Hart will be a top five goaltender in the NHL for the next decade. But as it stands right now, was he anything more than a slightly above average starter? No,
1: like not over, like, not on the road,
2: not on the road. Yeah, overall, it's
1: not. And it's such a weird thing that you you say that. I actually think you're right, but like. This is the same fan base, uh, the same fan base that has been discrediting and shitting on Claude Giroux for twelve years. Yeah. You know, they never gave that guy anything. You know, ever since he was named captain, they've been shitting on him. Now they want to champion Sean Couturier.
2: I don't. I don't. Oh, God, I don't get it. Uh, I. I don't. It, and I get it. Like, and to be honest, it's been probably. Okay, well, Giroux was considered like a top five player around 2012, 2013, around then. But the last time the Flyers had like a stand above the rest superstar in amongst the NHL was Lindros. Yeah. So it's been 20 years. So I get it. But at the same time, you know, in the late 2000s, early 2010s, when the Flyers were, you know, rocking it and under Paul Holmgren and they made the cup final two two conference finals and all that and they were consistently at the top of the conference for like half a decade. They didn't have like a superstar. Like they had a bunch of fucking good players, but Richards was never a superstar, Carter was never a superstar, Briere was a superstar in the playoffs, but besides that he was just a 70-80 point guy. I don't get the ideology that like okay, the Flyers have to have a guy that's recognized league-wide. Like if if so, great. If not, who the fuck gives a shit? Like, and the funny thing is, is that I think the Flyers do have a stand above the rest guy in the NHL, and Ivan Provorov. I think he's a top fifteen defenseman in the NHL. But for some reason, people like don't acknowledge him and want to annoy. Like Dan said, Sean Katoria the king. When I truly believe that Provorov and Carter Hart are the two untouchable guys on this team. Not Sean Couture, and the team MVP in my mind, it's not even close as I've pro overall.
1: And ironically enough, if they want somebody that they can hold above the rest in the NHL, Jack Eichel will be a good person to do that with!
2: Hell yeah. God. Superstar. Goals are hard to come
3: by. Well
2: yeah, like let's go you... around let's go around the table. Who is the like who are untouchables for you guys? And who are who's the team MVP? Proverb and Hart. Are the only two people but I Before I even wrote that article, there was a
1: comment that I was, I was going back and forth with, and somebody were talking about that. That's what inspired this whole thing, was Provorov and Hart are the only two people that I would consider untouchable on the team.
3: Yeah, simple. I would agree. Yeah, I agree. I think I said that to all you guys on Twitter. It was Provorov, Hart, and maybe Konechny, but even then, I would get rid of Konechny for Eichel in a fucking split second.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's... There's not a single forward on this team, including the young guys like Frost or Faraby, that I'd be totally un- unwilling to part with.
3: No. I don't know. I don't think I could stomach getting rid of JVR. I just love him so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. god. That reminds me. That of <laughs> I saw someone comment at you. I think it was you, Dan. So I was like, oh, JVR is great. What the hell are you talking about?
1: It was uh. Oh, here's one. Uh, I tweeted, uh, based on the comments, I feeling most Flyer fans never actually watched Jack go play and somebody named Jim re-quoted, uh, retweeted it and said, I've seen him play plenty of times, I don't think he's worth getting rid of Coots maybe they'll take Ghost and JVR and a Prospect now, boys and girls that is what Dan the Flyer fan likes to call an NHL 20 trade <laughs> because <laughs> Shane Goss' bear is stupidly overvalued in NHL 20 and I guarantee if I go fire up the Xbox right now, Gossus Bear, JVR, and a decent prospect for Jack Huckle, I guarantee that would go through. Because the <laughs> fucking ghost is stupidly overvalued. Like, that's somebody that has no grasp upon reality, and unfortunately that was so many of the people in the comments. Like, I didn't even argue with most of them. I just let them all flow in, because they're so fucking stupid because so many of them looked like that in the ones that I've been reading previously. These people don't live in the fucking real world!
2: I think the best take I saw was someone who said, "Goss is still a young defenseman with upside.
1: Oh, like, sweet Jesus.
2: Yeah, it, it's it, it's really crazy because... Fuck, I lost my train I thought. Where was I going with this? It was something to do with Jamie Pascoe, <laughs> I think.
1: Oh, here's one for you from Juan. It's called the Patrick Sharp Effect.
0: Now, oh my little, I, little
1: history lesson for people who don't remember Patrick Sharp. He was a flyer once upon a time. They traded him too early for fucking Matt Ellison. And Patrick Sharp went on to be a goddamn superstar. And Matt Ellison, I'm not even sure if he played in the, I think he was a predator for a little while. He uh, won three cups with Chicago.
0: <laughs> a damn good-looking superstar. Too. Patrick oh my God, Sharp he's so Sharp was
1: handsome. a fucking so kid <laughs> when they traded him. Sean Couturier is 27! <laughs> Patrick Sharp, I believe, was 23
2: at the time of that trade. The same age as Jack Eichel is the now. The same age as Jack Eichel! Ah!
3: I hate! I um, hate speaking of Shane Goss' I think he's untouchable, too. Never get rid of Shane Goss' oh, Sweet Jesus. Because he had 65 points two years ago, Daniel. It's fucking hot in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know okay. what? It's yeah. you know, so right. hot in here because you're, cre- you're, you're creating your own heat, man. I know. I can, I can feel you down here. I'm drenched in sweat. Uh, I remember my train
2: of thought. I think my favorite take on that article, uh, like, on one of the responses to Dan's article, was Eichel's a bad locker room guy.
1: <laughs> oh, sweet fucking Jesus Christ above. Yes, I...
0: He's a bad... He's
1: a locker room cancer. You can't acquire him. You know, people that have, you know, never watched a Buffalo Sabres game, let alone ever been in, you know, a locker room or anything, or, or interviewed him, or... And, like... Shaq Eagle's been in a dog shit Sabres team for five years. That guy has every reason to be angry and voice any displeasure he has. If he was a rookie or maybe in his sophomore year and he was throwing tantrums like this, fine, more power to you. Mamie's a locker. Five years! Any trouble he has with Buffalo is warranted. It's more than warranted.
2: You, you know what's hilarious? It's like people just continually make the same mistake because <laughs> – People forget that Ryan O'Reilly made pretty much verbatim the exact same comments two years ago. I don't want to show up to the rink. I'm tired of losing. Everyone's just like, oh, look at this guy, just complaining. I believe a lot he of Flyers was,
1: fans said that it was a locker room This town's a like shithole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then
2: he gets traded to St. Louis for what's becoming the worst deal of the last decade. And... He won the Smythe Trophy. I believe he won the Selkie, did he not? He, did.
0: he sure did, yeah.
2: He, he became that team's first-line center instantly. And now two years, no, it was a year ago? No, no two years later, Jack Eichel is saying the same things because he's playing for a horrible horrible organization and people are criticizing him the same way that they're criticizing Ryan O'Reilly. And Jack Eichel's a better player than Ryan O'Reilly. Jack Eichel has more to give and more time left in his career than Ryan O'Reilly. How could you possibly be faulting this guy? He got drafted alongside Connor McDavid and Mitch Marner, who have already tasted playoff six, uh, playoff hockey and actually doing something with their teams. Not saying that Toronto or Edmonton don't have their issues, but at least they've done something of substance. Austin Matthews with the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. Like Jack Eichel's sitting there and for the since you know in the last fifteen years, 2015 is the best draft by a country mile. Like go back and there's not many misses there. But Jack Eichel's watching all these other superstars that got drafted after after him and Provorov and Ronton and Timo Meyer passing you by and Thomas Shabbat and all these things. Well, Shabbat not as much so because Ottawa's coming out of a rebuild. But you get the point. He's just like I'm the second. I'm the second overall pick in the bat in, in the best draft of the past fifteen years, and I'm rotting away in Buffalo. That's making no positive steps. Like, how can you fault the guy for being competitive and being pissed off?
3: You can't. Uh, Berglund was part of that Ryan O'Reilly trade, right? Yep.
2: Berglund, Thompson, Saboka, and a first round pick, and Berglund quit hockey. Yeah,
3: that was be my the- joke. That was gonna be my joke. He trained in the Buffalo, and he lost his love of the game, and he fucking retired, and he, he stopped showing up. Um, Buffalo, to echo what uh, my fellow Italian Anthony is saying, uh, Buffalo is in a division of eight teams. They have finished seventh, eighth, eighth, sixth, and sixth out of eight. Jesus. Yeah, and
2: they've drafted high like quite a few times. They had the second overall pick in 2014. They had the second overall pick in 2015. They had the first overall pick in 2018. They had the, I believe it was the seventh overall pick in 2016. Like, they've had a lot of chances. And, okay, would it have changed the course of their franchise if they would have gotten a McDavid? But, like, okay, yeah, McDavid's better than Eichel, but they still got a superstar forward, like, Sam Reinhardt's no Leon Dreisaitl, but he's still a decent hockey player. I think Rosmus Dalin is going to become a top 10 defenseman in the NHL one day. So, like, they didn't even necessarily miss on all these high draft picks. But, like, can you not surround them with anything? Like, their second line center this year was Marcus Johansson. He was a third line winger in Boston last year. You know, you, you have a bunch of decent NHL defensemen and Dan, you'll get a good kick out of this. They got the almighty Colin Miller last summer. No! Oh,
1: Flyers legend Colin Miller, who
2: won the goddamn
3: <laughs> Stanley Cup for analytics. Woohoo! Fuck Colin Miller.
0: I think he had one goal this season. He didn't play. <laughs> yeah, I think he had like w- let me just double check that. Because... Frost
1: Myers and any and uh, Frost Myers and any goaltending prospect would get this done IMO false Frost. big
2: john fuck you it's actually funny because Hill got fired because he wanted to try and rebuild it from within but the Pagulas have probably lost just so much money from owning that franchise and not making the playoffs since 2011 that they want to get back into the playoffs and generate some gate revenue so no big john moron Frost, Myers, and a bunch of hopes and dreams isn't going to get you a legitimate, already proven top 10 talent at Ford in the NHL.
1: Although Eichel's points are better, you have to look at Kutz. Boy, this is horribly written. You have to look how Kutz was put in a defensive role every year but the last two. To give him up and what you suggested, I could not see that being smart at all. The hall you suggest should almost land Drysiddle. Balfour would probably ask for Provo. Anyway, not happening.
2: i rather Jack Eichel than Drysiddle, personally.
0: All right, so here's what people got to forget. Probably. All, all the coot stuff, all the, oh, he was, you know, unfairly No, developed, I'd rather tragged
1: for line A anyway. Oh my God, I'm going to lose my shit reading these comments again.
0: Like you, the Patrick Lane is, is
2: the not pet. good! <laughs> Fucker! Don't you, mean pa- don't you mean Patrick Lane?
1: Patrick Lane, yeah. Oh, God.
2: you guys Man, know a story about Jim,
1: that?
0: No, no, what's the Lane story?
1: Dan, you say it. We had Jamie Baskell on O&B one time. It was last summer. And uh, they were talking about players they would acquire, and he kept calling him Patrick Lane. Because he doesn't actually know what he's talking about! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We need Patrick Lane. Patrick Lane's
2: a flyer. Fuck you.
0: Did <sighs> <Go laughs> I just see a Patrick Lane article Sweet recently? That.
2: Jesus. Uh, he, he he called Mitch Marner. I think he called the Mike Marner or something. Oh
1: I, yeah, that's goodness. right. He called him. I called a whole bunch of people different names or something. After Mike was that Jim, episode, it was fantastic. <laughs> what were you saying, Jim? Oh.
0: About coots. Uh, so all the past stuff that pe- people get attached to—that's what it is. People are getting attached to. He was uh, developed defense, developing defensively, blah, blah, blah. Like, we can't trade him now because he developed. Dude, all the past stuff's in the past. He is what he is now. He's 27. Trade him for the 23-year-old that's been doing it since he's been in the fucking NHL. I, I just don't see any argument to how you can not do that. It, it just sounds dumb. Everything sounds dumb when you say no coots for, for Eichel. As much as I do like Couturier, I think he's a great player, but...
1: See Anthony, I've had this debate. Like it, it's so hard to say that because I don't want to bury Sean Couturier, but I have to put him in place. It's yeah. hard to to knock him down to put him over as a good player without burying him too much.
0: Okay, as a, people don't guys. understand who Michael is.
1: As a fan, let this would be awful for awful for Philly. Somebody responded, maybe make this deal for McDavid. Wouldn't even consider it for anyone else in the league. Let
0: me ask you guys a question. Oh,
2: what would be a better one, two, three center punch? for the Flyers, let's say, next season? Like, what would you feel more comfortable with to win a Stanley Cup? Couturier, Hayes, Frost, which everyone is just assuming it's going to be, or Eichel, Hayes,
3: Grant? Ooh, I like that second one better. Yeah. Um, so do I. I, li- I like Grant. Grant, sometimes, like, like the Capitals added um, Kovalchuk. And my point is, You sometimes need players to fit specific roles, and Grant does his role really well. I was very impressed by him before the fucking pandemic hit. Sometimes it's not all about having five superstars out there. Sometimes it's about having guys that listen to the coach, they buy in, and you put them in the right position to succeed. And I feel like Michael, Hayes, Grant would be phenomenal.
1: Eichel has more to give, but I don't really want to. Loose Coots. L O O S E. You must understand, Giroux is not getting any younger. Son Couturier's 27! He's not getting any younger either, either, you fucking shithead! Is this a
3: live argument you're.
1: uh, I'm just reading his comments now.
3: Oh.
2: Oh, God. (laughs) What a dumb fuck. Uh, I don't think that this deal like a hypothetical deal for buffalo i think would start with katorian frost because after eichel they have no one down the middle in their organization so you would want to get frost in there for that reason so that's why i asked that question like would you pretty much get rid of katorian frost bring in eichel and then re-sign grant as the three c like jim what do you think like nick obviously agreed with the second group
0: uh i think to get a guy like eichel you have to do that because uh, he's already what everybody wants frost to be right like exactly. he's exactly he's gonna be what i mean he's gonna be frost isn't gonna he's never gonna be jack eichel morgan frost he's just not gonna be that uh yeah i think you have to do that with uh because you can always go go out and get another third fourth line center but you it's Dan, I think, what did you title your article? The Cost Acquiring a, the a cost Superstar? The Cost of
1: Acquiring a Superstar.
0: Right, and that's what the Flyers don't have. On, uh, may, You could argue they don't have a superstar on the current roster, and you could argue they don't have one coming up through the pipeline. They have a lot anyway. of very, very good talent, but they don't have a superstar anywhere in the system. And it's because they're not easy to get. So if you have an opportunity to get one, I think you got to make the deal.
1: Nolan, Patrick, Shane Gosses, Barrett, Mark Friedman, Joel Farabian picks for Simmer and Eichel, who says no.
0: Probably well, Buffalo, thought, for that matter. Simmer back. Oh, yeah. yeah, let
2: me trade for a uh, seventh defenseman that makes $4.5 million dollars <laughs> and a guy who may never play hockey again. I'm sure they're going to come banging down the door for that. Like,
1: I don't know, man. You hear Mark Friedman. He may be a top-four
2: guy next year.
0: If Flyers that's nitty-gritty
2: legend is. Mark Friedman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ghost is another thing because we were talking about some defense earlier and none of us even mentioned Gossespierre I think we just assumed that he wasn't going to be on the team but he's he he's here longer than anybody else aside from Yeah. yeah. which is kind of like what's going to happen there something's got I'm not
1: convinced this is the same thing that I felt with McDonald for years like I am not convinced they're moving him until he's actually gone I'm not gonna yeah. buy into it I'm not gonna get my hopes up like he's here for the next four years until he's actually gone <laughs> I don't believe yeah. for a second they're getting
2: rid of him. But it, it's because people still think that he's worth something. Yeah. And Dan, remember when we had David Pagnata on? Yep. Nope. And, and what did he say? He's just like, well, how many people are going to be banging down the door for a third-pairing guy making $4.5 million? Like, every every team that's worth a shit in the NHL is, worth, is up against the salary cap.
1: Yeah.
2: And you can't justify paying – a guy four and a half million dollars to skate on your third pair and maybe be good on the power play sometimes. Like, yeah, he he is good on the power play for the most part, but you can find like nah, I'm not gonna like Vince Don last year. He was the top power play guy for St. Louis, and he was the third pairing guy for much of it. Like
1: Gostisbury, like
2: in this current
1: lineup, even if there was at absolute peak, the peak of his 65 point season, he's still a fifth guy. In this current group, maybe you can argue he's better than Myers. But, like, even then, what are you doing here? He's not a top guy. Even at his fucking absolute peak of what he's already shown, he's not there. And that was years ago. He's at the absolute trough of his value right now and his play on the ice. He had one good game this year, and it was the very last game before the season went under.
0: And they I still got it. shut out. I hated out. it. I hated it you <laughs> yeah, know why I, I hated this. it because everyone's like oh maybe don't trade him maybe yet. don't
1: trade him yet yeah I remember that because I, I, <laughs> I I've called, hated that so Jim bad, and I man. did a post game and I remember specifically because I went back and listened to that episode to, to find clips for uh, the best of and um I said something I put a tweet out something along the lines of that was the second time Goss's Bears played in a month or whatever whatever it's been and they got shut out because last time he was in Carolina and they got shut out of <laughs> well, the only two games he played he got shut out on and people lost their shit with me oh but Daniel <laughs> yeah. he played good it wasn't his fault Daniel like totally missing the point that it was oh god my, my, he maps, my heat maps
3: he had a good game
0: fuck yeah. Ah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah there's been some people talking about oh, I, I think, think recently I was talking to some people that were talking about oh, he looked, didn't look that bad in his last game I'm like oh my god here we go
1: one good game in three oh. years quick let's double his contract again
0: it looks like
2: he's oh. coming back I remember when everyone's just like, well, they trade him one for one for Kasperi Kapanen. (laughs) I'm like, oh, so let me get this straight. Toronto, who is up against the cap more than anyone in the NHL, has the highest payroll in the NHL, are paying Clarkson and Nathan Horton collectively $11 million to not play hockey anymore, are going to trade a second-line winger making $3 million for a seventh D making four and a half million dollars, <laughs> and their that fucking defense sense. is shit to begin with.
1: It's not like gossip yeah. Bear could come in and play good defense for the Leafs. They're trying to get rid of guys like him.
2: <laughs> yeah, like Ugh. you have it. Like the last thing that team needs is another left shot puck moving. you responsible defensively. Ah. Like, when fucking... They're trying to run Tyson Berry out of town for that reason. Mm-hmm.
3: I like Tyson Berry.
0: Yeah. I, mean, yeah bad cool
2: I like
3: strawberries.
0: Ah, mm. oh, Dude, I got strawberries growing in uh, my backyard over here. There's a farm behind me.
3: Some Jersey oh. berries,
0: huh? Yeah, I'll grab some for you, dude. Pick your own.
2: Oh, guys, I, I want to uh, get your opinions on something. I'm sure you guys have seen my... Many wars with ineffective math on (laughs) Taylor. Yep. Uh, And uh, I was just wondering, what do you think about his take considering Peter Laviolette, the worst coach in the NHL?
0: Wait, who said this? I'm sorry.
2: Ineffective math. Mika Blake-McCurdy.
0: Wow, that's a shame.
1: Here's the thing with Peter Laviolette. I don't think he's great. Because his game, the, the the system he runs is not a long-term thing. It never has been, never will be. Failed on three different teams now. I guess he won a cup in Carolina, but he got booted out for the same reason. It's a high-impact style that works well in the right scenario. And you see it, uh, especially in Nashville, because they had the defense to make up, the defense and the goaltending to kind of overcome it. But it's not a longevity kind of game. You know, I think somebody like, I Yo could last for years in Philadelphia simply because he plays a very centered, core, equally uh, responsible game. I don't think Laviolette did that. He was a very run and gun kind of guy, and that's why he doesn't last very long. But for Christ's sake, he's been to three or four Stanley Cup finals. He won a goddamn cup with Carolina. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> to say he's the worst is is far from the truth. I don't know if I'd go out of my way to want him back or if I lived through that, you know, lived through another era like that, but fuck the worst.
3: Did he not see Dave Haxtell?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Dave Haxtell
3: or. Peter Laviolette's an awesome coach. He always had ambition to win. I I like his style. If you have the horses to do it. And again, like you said, you take multiple teams to finals. That doesn't, what an asshole! What a, what a terrible take. Was Nashville in one or two Cup finals? Just one. One. So and great. then they won the Presidents' Trophy as well.
1: They won with Philly. They won with Carolina, and they went to uh, one with Nashville.
0: And they
3: arguably got fucked by a lot of
1: reviews against it. Yeah, they Pain got ones. screwed We're by the
0: Penguins series. Yeah. is he the second winningest U.S. coach in, in NHL history?
3: Yes. Is he I still don't know second? He can
0: be the worst.
3: Oh, oh, he's he's behind Torquarello.
1: Porter, right? so, yeah. Wendell's, Wendell's not american.
0: was
2: was al arbor american or is he canadian
0: if he is then maybe it was current active winner but i thought it was second
2: yeah maybe it's active yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but he's he he's okay. at the top amongst like current t- coaches in total no like even canadian
0: should be yeah then are you looking it up over there
2: but who's the winningest active coach? Is it Tortorella? Probably Quinville, not Yeah, huh? maybe Scott. AV, honestly. Vigneault's been around for a long fucking time. He started Montreal in the late 90s.
0: Scotty Bowman's top all-time. Joe Qu- Joel Quinville's second all-time.
1: This oh, this there you go. NHL coach Al- register? Go ahead, oh, this sorry. is everybody. Three has got...
0: <laughs> who's that?
1: That's oh, Everybody. That's the oh. Scotty Bowman first. Quinville is the active one with nine twenty five. Uh, Hitchcock is third. Trots is fourth. Al Arbor's fifth. Ruff is sixth. Maurice seventh. Babcock eighth. Vigneault is at ten. He mm. is uh, four wins away from passing Dick Irvin for ninth. And would you guys? At would this you rate, guys he could pass. Wow, Jesus! Babcock. Uh, Alvinio has six eighty nine wins. Dick Irvin has six ninety two. Babcock is seven hundred. Maurice uh, seven thirty two. Lindy Ruff seven thirty six. So, he could uh, make some serious jumps here in the next year, year and a half in Philly. He could be top five. He could pass Al Arbour.
0: Yeah, by dude, by the end of his tenure, he could he could legit be a top five winning. Give as him two coach. two
1: and a half years on this team as the winning.
2: Yeah, he can make it. Yeah. Trotz is Who's the best coach mind. in your minds? Right now. What's that? Like in your in your opinions, as of right now, coaching Barry who's Trotz, the best active? Yeah, I'm with you too. I
1: would be my I think uh, trots is
2: just
1: wherever that guy goes, success follows. Unless you count you know the early days in Nashville, but
0: okay. So I'm gonna I can't disagree that trots is a great coach because he wins everywhere he goes. Even with this Islanders team that doesn't have Tavares. Matt Barzal is your top center, great player, but you know if you look at that roster, it's like how's this team good? Uh, and it's it's system. Having said that, getting to actually watch Elaine Vigneault because before he was a Flyers coach, I didn't really like Vigneault. I thought he was a pussy. Yeah, I was, yeah, I, I, feel the I, same I thought way. his teams played like a bunch of pussies, and you know, watching the Rangers play when Vigneault was the coach, I hated playing the Rangers back then. Like they were just a tough team, man. Like they. They were just better than the Flyers up and down, when I felt like, whenever they played. And now that he's finally, I'm getting to watch this guy every every night. I, I love the coach, and I love the guy. I, I think he's the perfect fit for Philadelphia, and I really appreciate the kind of person that he is and, from what I can see, the kind of coach that he is. So I would say that there could be an argument there. I guess what would tip the uh, scales to trots would be that he won a uh, Stanley Cup. John Tortorella you know, but they're pretty damn close.
1: is 14th place with 655. LaVulette, 16th in wins in NHL history with uh, 637.
0: Do you have an American list on your thing?
1: Um, I'm going, just I'm on
0: hockey reference right now.
1: Yeah, so am I. I don't know if this doesn't go by nationality. Let me see if I can. There has to be a Wikipedia page somewhere.
0: I'm almost positive that it's 1-2 towards in Vigne- uh Towards in- Lavie,
2: Vigneault is famous, also.
1: Uh, Who the hell's his name? Joel. Is he American? Quinville. American oh Canadian ice hockey coach. What the hell does that mean?
2: He's Canadian because he was on. Uh, he was one of the assistant coaches for Canada at the World Cup a few years ago. Traitor. <laughs> well, would you guys not trade honestly for hockey purposes?
3: These colors don't run, Anthony. <laughs>
2: Yo, I'll say it right out. We kicked your ass every time on Internationalize.
3: You guys made <laughs> the sport.
2: I think the funniest is in the World Cup, Tortorella came out and he's just like, oh, we're assembling this tough team to go up against Canada. And you guys brought a bunch of plugs in, like Jack Johnson and Brandon <laughs> Dubinsky and all the David Backus and left Phil Kessel at home. The only thing about Americans that are good at hockey are their goaltending.
3: Patrick your cane, buddy. Yeah, okay.
2: But you guys always have fucking sick goalies. Jeremy
3: Roenick, I- Keith Kachuk, America.
2: 2010 gold medal game.
3: Brian Miller, what a fucking soft goal to give up.
2: Yo, you can shut up about Miller. He was like the best fucking player in that tournament. He was.
1: So he was really
3: fucking mattered. Fuck him. I cannot find Dude. anything.
2: There's a list like
1: <laughs> of From everybody like... with names, but I can't find any stats. But based on the names
2: From... here, I would assume. Uh...
0: Just go with Jim. He's right. I... From
2: 07 to like 2011, Miller was like the best goalie in the league.
3: Oh yeah, he's definitely uh, top three. There was a time. Didn't he have a
0: hot supermodel wife or something? He still oh, does. Yeah.
3: Huh? Oh, he
0: still yeah. does. That's oh, why yeah. he played Something in the about Ducks, his...
1: so he could live out in California.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't blame him. Get the fuck out of Buffalo, John. John
1: Tortorella, yeah! first American-born coach to win 600 games.
0: Okay, there you have it.
1: So, that was uh, January 10th of 2019.
0: I so... don't think anybody's close, actually, to second place.
1: Now i got to go back to the original list.
0: Yeah, I'm not doing it. I got a club
2: sandwich waiting for me. I can <laughs> this has bucket. been a
3: long episode. This has been a very long and
1: informational episode. This is the yeah, first yeah, time was... in months I've done an episode and actually talked about hockey. <laughs> yeah, they've all been like random conversations we had. Usually it's about poop or some weird food or <laughs> something. Dating.
0: <laughs> yeah, no sh- no poop talk this episode. Nice.
3: We didn't last time either. We're doing a good job.
1: <laughs> Mike Sullivan, is it 248? Jesus, that was a big gap there. Yeah, we need to go through each of these people individually and see if they're American, but I don't think anybody above him is American. Claude Julian, Mike Keenan, Pat Quinn, Elaine Vigneault, Dick Irvin, Mike Babcock, uh Dick. Paul Maurice, Lindy Ruff, Al Arbor, Barry Trotz, Ken Hitchcock, Joel Quinville, and Scotty Bowman. I believe are all of different nationalities. So hmm. mostly Canadian. Yeah. Claude
0: Julian is high. Six fifty eight. know. Oh looks like fucking Barney Rubble doesn't he that was random <laughs> he does that's who I think of whenever I hear about Claude Julien he looks like a real life Homer Simpson <laughs> yeah he
1: does <laughs> that's good
2: yeah I remember once I was in the press room at, at the bell center and like he literally came in through the, the entranceway sideways and I'm just like holy shit you, si- you hide that gut well eh Claude <laughs> 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 you, you know who else was deceptively fat? Laviolette.
0: <laughs> was he really?
2: Dude, I remember on a, like the the 24/7 Winter Classic thing, like he came in without his jacket on. I was like, "Holy shit." Didn't he have like <laughs> an intense workout regime or something?
1: There's something about No, that Laviolette. was Hackstall. Oh, that was Hackstall.
2: No, I I was on I think twice I was like in the scrum. With and I was like less than a foot away from Hackstall. I'm just like you would surfboard.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I would you see you on a fucking dry f- on the beach with a dry f- like fit suit coming <laughs> out of the water. He he. You was actually really in shape. I gotta say for
3: a guy his age. Such a boring era of Flyers hockey. Bleeds together from like 2013 to 2018 just kind of bleeds together
2: whatever i see like a ron hextel starter pack it's always the the player p- profile picture of roman
0: lubimov <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh shit let's wrap it up going for an hour and 41 minutes that's
0: it a-
3: that's good. That's a good episode for uh, what's still considered quarantine life, right? Even everyone's going out and about. We're making up for it because we haven't done an episode in two
1: and a half weeks. So. And we we talked about hockey almost the whole time. Yeah.
0: Ten safe. more minutes and it's a two-parter.
1: Nah.
0: Not <laughs> to
1: this all together. I'll break up one of my rants and put it in a separate episode. There you go. That was good. I haven't yelled like that in a long time.
0: Last time I, I yelled
1: I, about that, ironically, was a year ago when they signed Kevin Hayes.
2: Oh, fuck, I remember that.
0: <laughs> okay, see, the Kevin Hayes thing is a prime example of of Philadelphia. Like, we, we hated the guy. We got him. He's, he's only scoring 40 points in 60-some-odd games, but everybody loves him, and they wouldn't trade him for the world now.
3: He scored some big goals once he settled in. Yeah. I'd give him up for I, Jack Eichel in a heartbeat. He's got great hands.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I like Kevin Hayes, but I would still trade him in a heartbeat. Oh,
3: yeah. I'd be pissed off because I just bought that jersey. So... <laughs>
1: All right, let's wrap this shit up, huh? Uh, I have no idea when I'll be back. Last time I promised an episode and then didn't show back up. So we'll be back at some point in the near future uh, with more. The uh, Phase 3 is, what, three, four weeks away? July 10th, I believe, Phase 3 opens up with training camps. So uh, there have been select players at the uh, uh, Voorhees uh, Skate Zone. So we'll see more... The picks keep coming out of those. I believe it's Couturier, uh, Faraby, Abe Kubel, Giroux, and I believe Moran is there as well, uh, as well as a couple others. So we'll, uh, we'll keep up with that. Any more updates, we'll let you know. Uh, Jim, where can people find you on Twitter? At uh, Jim HW.
0: My birthday is on Saturday. I'll be turning 30 again.
1: Man, Nick just turned 48, and you're turning 42. and <laughs> you guys are old as fuck,
3: man. <laughs> Nick? Yes. I'm 35 and you can find me at Forza <laughs> Inter 215
1: Anthony uh,
2: At Ademarco 25 and All right, everybody
1: At Dan The Flyer At Brotherly Puck At Brotherly underscore pod At Angry Negative Be sure to subscribe to any of the platforms if you do not already Or read that Jack Eichel piece If you're one of the thousands that have not and Come yell at me again so I can read your dumb fucking comments on air <laughs> Shitheads all right, everybody. Until next time, goodbye and good night.